Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to Dyslexia Devoted, the podcast dedicated to building awareness, understanding, and strategies to help those with dyslexia. I'm your host, Lisa Parnello, dyslexia therapist and founder of Parnello Education Services. Join me as we dive into today's episode of Dyslexia Devoted. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode. Do you want to hear real stories of success for kids with dyslexia and other learning differences? Welcome to episode 51 of Dyslexia Devoted, and today we're celebrating the small wins. If you listened to episode 25, then you heard some of the long-term wins of my clients that I've had over the years. Today, as we are wrapping up the end of my school year sessions and I get to take a lovely little break before the summer session starts, I'm sharing some wins that have been achieved by my clients this year. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it all, it's hard to see how far you've come when you haven't quite reached that finish line. So today, I'm covering a whole bunch of small wins of real kids. It was great chatting with you guys and answering some of your questions at last week's live Q&A session, so if you missed that, I'll be posting the recording on my Facebook page later this week. Now, next week will be the 52nd episode, which means it'll be a full year since I started the Dyslexia Devoted podcast with our weekly episodes. I want to hear from you about what you would like to hear in the next year of episodes, please visit parnelloeducation.com forward slash survey to complete a listener survey. As a special thank you, the first 10 people who complete the survey by Sunday, May 28th, 2023, will be offered a $5 digital gift card of their choice. So let's jump on into our success stories. For the sake of privacy, I'll be referring to the kids as my little friends and giving them numbers, even though some of them aren't so little. In fact, a couple of them are taller than me now. I work with kids in grades kindergarten through 10 right now, and they've all had some amazing successes this year, and today I'd like to share some of their wins with you. This is an unscripted from the heart episode with stories in absolutely no particular order as I list them out. I hope you enjoy. So little friend number one isn't really so little, although I don't actually have any idea how tall this little friend is because I've never met him in person. This year, this child has gone from being a struggling reader and speller to now rarely needing my help to fix spelling mistakes and having a school that says, are you sure they have dyslexia? Because they're doing really well and I don't really see any struggles. And I can't even tell you how proud that makes me, that a student is doing so well, no one even realizes they have a learning difference when they're at school. And that was such an amazing little tidbit to hear from the family. Little friend number two is a student who is very newly working with me and only knew some of her letter sounds, 
And now within just the first couple of months, as I squeezed her into my schedule and get into work way too early in the morning, because I'm a sucker for adorable little children, and can now sound out words all by herself. All right, now for little friend number three. Little friend number three just needs a little boost in everything. And one of the most notable successes was their ability to form letters. One thing that people don't talk a whole lot about is during the COVID pandemic shutdowns, some students didn't go to school for a year, almost a year and a half-ish. And so with that, depending on what age they were, some of them never learned handwriting. So like basic printing, I mean, not necessarily cursive. So I have some little friends this year who we have been working on printing and cursive because they never learned proper letter formation. And so one of them had such terrible printing habits, it was actually easier to teach this kiddo how to do cursive first. And we went through and they actually have perfect cursive, probably better than mine, actually. And that is a way that they can communicate their writing more clearly, because if you ask them to write in printing, it's barely legible. But in cursive, it is looking fantastic. And now that we've got good habits down with the cursive, we're now trying to go back and fix a little bit of those printing errors. Sometimes when a student is so far into the habits of the way they form their letters in printing, it's really hard to undo them. And sometimes it's actually easier to go ahead and teach them cursive instead of correcting terrible printing. Because then you are creating good habits from the get-go, and it's a lot less undoing. One thing that I have found over the years in teaching, it is a million times easier to teach something new than to unlearn something that was learned the wrong way. So I really like teaching the kids cursive. And I know people think, oh, cursive's dead. You're never going to need it. But kids actually love learning cursive. They think it's so much fun. And they can't read some of the things that are written in cursive. And I feel like it is a little bit of a lost art. But also in the world of dyslexia, it helps because the kids actually form letters in different directions. So if you're forming a B, you start it completely different than the way you would form a D. And it prevents a lot of reversals along the way. So that is one thing I've done a whole lot of this year is teaching a lot of cursive because the kids are really struggling if they were first graders when COVID shut their schools down for an entire year. They never learned proper handwriting. Even if somebody handed them a handwriting worksheet page, parents aren't taught the proper way to teach kids to learn how to print. They aren't shown the exact way to do it. They just, you know, all right, here's your letter worksheet. Go ahead and fill out the letters. Versus when you're in school, the teachers will actively show them what direction to go and where to start on the line and that kind of thing. And I've seen a ton of kids who never got that instruction. And it's really hard to keep going and write legibly once they get, you know, they're now in third, fourth grade now for those kids who were learning how to do their writing. And so one of our big wins this year was being able to write legibly when that wasn't a skill that they developed in school. All right, I believe I'm on kiddo number four. (laughs) I'm not going to stake my life on the number order here. So like I said, this is a completely unscripted plan today to tell you some success stories. So please don't judge when I don't know how to count. (laughs) There's a reason I teach reading. Just kidding. I teach a lot of kids math too. You know what? That brings me to the kid I'm now going to do for number four. I'm changing up my order of what I was going to say. So kiddo number four came to me actually for his math skills, not actually for reading because I work with several kids in his neighborhood and they, you know, found out that I work well with kids with dyslexia, but I also help kids who struggle with learning of really any subject, as long as you don't put me too far into high school. When it comes to subject matter instruction, keep me below eighth grade. When it comes to reading, I can teach a kid at any age, but subject matter teaching, let's stick to below eighth grade. 
And this kiddo came to me for math. And I couldn't be more proud of this friend because he's really struggled this week by no fault of his own. And the way he handled it brought me such pride and joy as did it bring to his mom. This kiddo, when he walked into my office, I got one word answers for like a month and a half. So we got through the math. He did it. He understood it. And we built up his skills. There were far less struggles, but he would always beat himself up every time he made a mistake. He was really hard on himself, like close to tears every time he made a mistake. And over these last couple months, I've really seen the way he can be like, oh, all right, well, I understand the concept. The question was just worded really badly. So I got it wrong, but I understand the math. So that's all that really matters. Hearing that come out of his mouth made me the most happy person in the universe. I almost cried happy tears over it. We also had to deal with some struggles this past week where a not so effective science teacher gave an assessment and then the kiddo didn't do well. And he was supposed to do a retake. And he said, hey, actually, I have tutoring today. Can I do my retake tomorrow instead of today? Because I really would like time to get some extra support on this before I take the retake test. The teacher was not very kind and made him take the retest anyway. So we failed a second time because he didn't get a chance to get the extra support, even though we asked for it. But it is not about the failure. For me, that was a huge win because that kiddo was able to say, I would like to get extra help. Can I have my retake tomorrow so I have time to study. He advocated, he made a plan for studying, and did his very best even though the teacher didn't follow through with that plan. And that made his mom and I really proud because just the fact of advocating and talking to a teacher and saying he needs time and help is humongous for a win. So one of the big things that I teach kids is that sometimes winning isn't necessarily everything going your way. It's the you did everything you could along the way and teaching that self-advocacy. That is always a really, really big win. All right, now on to little friend number five, I believe. This little kiddo was an anxious pile of nerves when she walked into my office for the first time. She's a kiddo that has been waiting on my wait list to finally get a spot, and whenever I had an opening, she was able to snag it whenever she got it because, you know, kids, you know, get sick or kids, you know, get into a play and then they have rehearsal for one random month of the year. So she's been sneaking into my schedule wherever I end up with some cancellations. And since then, we have gone from a pile of nerves that always wants to know if she did something wrong or what happens if she gets this wrong. What about this? What about that? And there's always 8 million questions to, oh, okay, can I show you this word that we did in class? And can you explain it to me? Like, how did this work? Like I, I copied it in class, but I don't understand like why the, why it's spelled this way. And so to go from a pile of nerves to asking thoughtful questions that apply to her schoolwork and then asking to do some of her special big projects with me this past week because she knows that she needs some extra support and she wants to know how to do it the right way, but she can do it in a way that doesn't make her super nervous because she has a plan on how to make it easier. It's so nice to see somebody who I've only worked with for just a few months make that shift from being super nervous to feeling like they have a buddy who's going to help them out. And I try to be that buddy where kids who come to my office, who loves going to reading class when they can't read? Like it's the worst subject in the world for them. But I make it my goal to make my office their safe space where they can tell me whatever struggles that they're having and we can make a plan to make it better. And that is one of the things that brings me the most joy is I don't ever have kids saying, oh, I don't want to go to Lisa. And instead, every once I'll get one going, so I'm going to summer camp, so I'm not going to see you all summer. Sorry, not to be rude to you or anything, but I'm really excited about summer camp. And you know, it's tutoring. So, 
And so they all have their moments where they know it's not about not liking to come to me, but you know, it's tutoring. Sometimes you'd rather just go to camp and play with all your friends, which I fully encourage. So there are certain kids that I will absolutely miss this summer because I have them all year long and then they take a break from me and go do fun, amazing things. And then kids who I don't normally have time to help can sneak into my schedule just for the summer. And so it is always nice this time of year to reflect on how far we have come with some of these friends so that they can be so successful as they are going into the next school year. Now it's time to reflect on little kiddo number five. This boy was one that finally got a permanent spot on my schedule this year, but it was only one day a week when we were really hoping for two, but that's all I got. Kids don't leave me very often, which is a funny problem to have. And so when it comes to me taking on new clients, it's always a struggle to try to figure out how much time I can take them because my schedule is just so full. We went from the beginning of this year not sure that one day a week was going to be enough to me seeing just how much progress he's making and the school actually saying, maybe he doesn't need any more decoding work, meaning learning how to sound other words, and maybe we should just focus on comprehension. And while I completely disagreed with that, we need to do both. You can't just stop teaching kids how to sound out words just because they know a lot of patterns. That doesn't mean we just stop if you've only learned half of them. So we're going to keep going into coding, but we're also building in some comprehension instruction. So that was some really nice feedback to hear from the mom this spring as we were consulting and deciding how we should work on it. This little kiddo is a very fluent reader now. His spelling is doing phenomenal. We also taught him some cursive, which he enjoyed learning how to do. And now we're shifting into things like math. And so it's really great when we see the kids achieve their small goals so that we can adjust our goals and make new plans of attack. So whenever I have a kiddo and I take them on, a lot of times we have a main reason they come to me. But then as we start working together, a lot of times there ends up being something else that pops up that is really a struggle. So a kid would come to me for reading, but then suddenly they're struggling in math class too, which is actually not that uncommon. A lot of times kids with dyslexia struggle with learning the order of procedures. So like if you have to do subtraction with regrouping, there's a lot of steps to that and you have to remember the order. So a lot of what I do is teaching the concept of why do we do it in that order and what what is the purpose and showing them that hands-on experience of what math looks like. And then they can apply the strategy and remember the order that they have to do everything in. And so dyslexia often affects their ability to do rapid recall of math facts. So they might struggle to memorize their math facts, even if they have a basic understanding of what's happening. They may not quickly be able to get to the answer. So a lot of times when the kids come to me for reading and spelling, we also end up working on other stuff too. This little kiddo is now makes a game out of trying to beat his score on a math game that I have him play with me in the last couple of minutes of our session every week. And he's getting better and better at his math facts. And so it's so nice to see these little wins along the way, because a lot of times when we have a student making progress, it's hard to feel like they're making progress because you see that gap widening sometimes with the other people in their class. Well, now he can do this, but now his class is already moved on to that. But we have to remember not to compare kids to other kids. We have to compare them to themselves. What was the thing they were struggling with in the fall? And now they're a total rock star at now that we're in the spring. So I've had a lot of kids who are struggling in a lot of ways, both social, emotionally and academically in the fall. And as we're wrapping up this school year, it is amazing to see the joy and pride on their faces of like, oh, I can do this. Or a kiddo who says, can I have a reading break when they're in the middle of math practice? A kiddo who couldn't read actually asking for a reading break. And I had one little boy this week who told me, yeah, I actually sneak and read books in my bed at night when I'm supposed to go to bed. To have a first grader with dyslexia tell me he's sneaking books in bed at night when he should be sleeping makes me an unbelievably 
happy educator. And this student was about to be asked to leave their school to go find a school for dyslexia because he was struggling so much at the beginning of the year. To be able to have him go from being asked to, you know, you should probably find a different school for next year, to actually, he's doing really great. Let's just keep him right where he's at. Let's keep doing that morning tutoring before school and let him come to school, you know, a couple minutes late if he needs to. And he's actually doing really great. So whatever you're doing, keep it up and he can stay at the school because he's doing really well now. And he's sneaking books in bed to read. And nothing makes me happier than to see a dyslexic kid find that joy in reading and realize it's actually not so bad. You just had to learn it in a different way. All right, let's recap this week's episode. First, I told you that we're about to get to our one-year anniversary episode of Dyslexia Devoted, and I would love if you fill out the listener survey. So if you go to parnelloeducation.com forward slash survey by May 28th, and if you're one of the first 10 people, you will also get your choice of a $5 digital gift card. And then I told you some success stories that I hope you enjoyed listening to and remembering that those small wins really make a difference. And sometimes it's important to take a moment just to look and see where you started. And in fact, my students actually often have a notebook of some of their written work in my office, and they will go back and look and see what their first day looked like. And then they see what they can do now. And sometimes that alone is a massive motivator for them to see that all their hard work is paying off. They're like, what do you mean I couldn't do a three-letter word? Those are so easy. Well, they weren't easy six months ago, bud. I really hope that you join me next week for episode 52 of the one-year anniversary of Dyslexia Devoted. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to learn even more about dyslexia, check out parnelloeducation.com forward slash courses. See you next time.